1: Alex, instead of starting the podcast with an open question for you this week, I want to start it with a story for you. I'm letting you off the hook a little bit. I love this. I love Storyteller Bob. The other night, like three nights ago at this point, Friday night, I was walking to a bar in Brooklyn, and we were walking ahead of a group of older folks, two older women, two or three older men, and then what appeared to be maybe like their children were also with them, too. Uh, who were also adults, and they were talking about none other than the sport of baseball, which got me excited. So you know what I did? I slowed my pace down a little bit so I could use Drop and hear what they were talking about and potentially use it for the cold open of this podcast. (laughs) And it was successful because you know what they were talking about? One of the women was explaining to the group that Major League Baseball umpires are scored based on an automated strike zone that is an AI program that tells the league whether or not the pitch was a ball or a strike, and she was just explaining it to them, and they were so curious about this. They were <laughs> like, "So there's a computer, and it tells them whether it's a strike, and but it doesn't actually affect what happens in the game. It's just after the fact, like a report card." <laughs> and I'm sitting, I'm some, I'm walking in front of them, and I'm listening to this, and I'm like, "Wow, these people have such a deep rabbit hole to go down." <laughs> if they're just learning about how umpires are scored based on their accuracy they have so many take cycles to go through <laughs> i'm
2: jealous of them i know how young and naive you know they learned about abs were you could you get a vibe on like uh, what their response was to it was she saying it like "Ah, oh, the game has gone the way of the nerds no um, they were just like genuinely curious like, no. they weren't they weren't dumping on it.
1: They weren't like, this is good. This is bad. This is nothing. They were just like, can you believe it? Technology. Oh my God. They're never going to make it online. Are you kidding me? You got to have a take. Yeah, you do have to have a take. So, so should I have turned around and said something to them? Should I have been like, this is actually a huge uh, labor rights issue for the MLB umpires <laughs> Union. <laughs>
2: uh, I'm sure that would have pulled them in more.
1: So I've turned around and said, no, actually, Cowboy Joe West, recently retired umpire, longest tenured umpire of all time. Uh, mm-hmm. Who moonlights as the blue cowboy, cowboy, cowboy Joe? He actually didn't like the automated balls and strike system, so you should reconsider whether you think that this is good for the game or not.
2: You need to be sp- out there spreading the good word, Bobby. Look, we may of not be cowboy able to Joe? talk about r- of cowboy Joe of I, you know the of oh, the anti technology movement in baseball, right? Hey, look, the the topics might be banned here. You know, you can't yeah. talk analytics. You can't talk rule changes. But out on the street <laughs> with with the common man and woman, I mean, that's that's your bread and butter. That's your time to shine.
1: My favorite part of the story is that it's like opening weekend. So ostensibly more people are talking about baseball than ever. And this was the topic. This isn't even a new thing. <laughs> like This is not it's not one of the rule changes. It's not the right. pitch clock. Maybe mm-hmm. I just came into the conversation late and they had already gotten through that bullet point list of topics and they were moving on to. Uh, older news for for the group of people who did not know much about baseball, but um, I just thought it was so interesting. That's not like that's not your typical street corner conversation point.
2: I know about about the game of baseball. Well, it is interesting that they didn't go to. Again, we're going so deep on what was maybe a ninety second snippet that you heard, right? But uh, it's interesting. No, they, they were they, having like a Socratic seminar.
1: Like they were going back and forth. This amazing. He should questions. have invited them on. <laughs> Turn around and honestly, they probably This is our trip to the flyover states. They could probably tell that I had a baseball podcast. (laughs) Right.
2: (laughs) I I think it's telling that they they didn't touch on the new rule changes whatsoever and went straight to like umpiring, right? The automated balls and strikes. That that was the most interesting thread to pull at in baseball right now. Right? It was not Wow, did you hear the games or Fifteen minutes shorter. It was. It was not. I hear stolen bases are up. Are you telling me that this year the
1: the games being fifteen minutes shorter doesn't really matter to anybody except a select few people of online baseball fans? (laughs) Yeah, I am telling you that. Yeah. (laughs) Yesterday was Easter, and my family was over for Easter, and my uh, aunt was asking me about all the new rule changes, and she was like, "And also this instant replay." She's like, "I can't believe that either," and I'm like. You mean the thing that's been right. around for like 15 <laughs> years? <laughs> I think she thought that instant replay was new too because they were instituting all these new rule changes and she just didn't notice it before. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, uh... I was like, yes, I have many thoughts on instant replay, many of which are available in public forums. <laughs> but I don't really think Easter dinner is the right place for me to resurface those.
2: Right, that's, you know how they say, don't bring politics up at the at the dinner table with your family. Like, this is our this is our can of worms that, that you don't want anyone at the Easter table to open up. Like, don't get him started. Don't wind him up, because he'll just go. Well, that's kind of like what the, that's like the banned topics. That's like the whole
1: concept. We took that <laughs> exactly. whole, like, no exactly. politics, religion, and sex at the dinner table, and we applied that to the podcast.
2: Yeah, your family doesn't know that, though.
1: Well, they should listen to the pod then. <laughs> uh, in retrospect, do you think we should have banned the topic of Jazz Chisholm? Maybe not on the podcast, but with each other.
2: Yeah, probably. Given our our uh, lengthy discussions at this weekend's Mets game, it, it lasted like six innings. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> like it would it would stop down
1: for like a couple outs, and then Jazz would be involved in a play, of which he was involved in many. Yeah, on the game in the game on Saturday. Diving catch, a home run, uh, yeah. <laughs> bad route to a ball, and it would just uh, it would, it would come back up. This is our new DH. I know we have to have something to like redirect our energy to We agree right. we on have, so many things that we have to just find we need one at least thing, one exactly, so that we can just like focus all of our negative energy <laughs> into <laughs> that. <laughs> Keep our our relationship healthy. Otherwise, exactly. Okay, Alex, we have a fun episode today an early baseball season mailbag to answer all of your questions related and unrelated to baseball. You know, we're going to go through them all, no matter what they Mm -hmm. are. As many as we can get through in a normal length podcast. A normal length podcast, which is under two hours, just so everybody knows, under two hours. This will be under two hours. This is not the elusive two hour podcast yet. We're just going to keep that, keep that one dangling out in front. Before we do that, I am Bobby Wagner. I am Alex Baisley. And you are listening to Tipping Pitches. Okay, thank you to this week's new patrons, Jacob, Will, Clive, Brian, Langendorfer, and Doug. Anything that you want to get off your chest before we dive into the mailbag? Cuz once we do, there's no looking back.
2: Not really. You know, the the only thing I'll I'll note and you alluded to this already, but Bobby, we we saw a real live baseball game this weekend. We saw the New York Mets play the Miami Marlins. And uh, can I just say, really happy baseball's back. Yeah. Really, uh, really like being back out there. It's a a good sport. You know what I didn't think about when I was out there? Pace of play. (laughs) Stolen bases. Not any of these things came into my mind. I was just really happy to be back in a baseball stadium with my friends. I don't know. It's a vibe, man. Always is.
1: Yeah, but you, you didn't have time to focus on any of those things because you were too busy trying to get yourself on the Jumbotron
2: during clearly. Man. I know. Did you Famously, know I, my favorite song.
1: Did you know I didn't know that happened? <laughs> I don't really know where I was or what I was doing or what I was paying mm-hmm. attention to while you were doing that. But Alex went into the aisle to get the attention of the cameraman who was up in our section a lot for some reason. A lot. Like all the way up in 525 and the, the cameraman... He just wanted to be a man of the people, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you, you were the star. You were, you were the guy who caught his attention.
2: Yeah. If we're being honest, I don't really remember where I was during that. Also, <laughs> photo um, I think evidence. it was a bit of a it was a bit of an out of body experience for me. <laughs> Your face kind of you're just like kind of straight facing, and
1: yeah. the photo that we got of you on the jumbotron. Um, this just takes us to our first question, Alex. Mm-hmm. We were asked by. Um, Zane on Twitter, the Mets new scoreboard. Is it too big? I mean, with first hand experience of being on it, (laughs) of filling up some of those pixels, what do you think?
2: Yeah, I did not think it was too big until I saw my big ass face (laughs) on there.
1: I'm actually really, at which
2: point I was like, Dear God,
1: (laughs) I'm actually really upset that I didn't see it in real time that you were on the scoreboard because that might be the Mm -hmm. only time ever.
2: <laughs> yeah I'm not letting it happen again. All of City field got to see my pores like it was yeah
1: thanks, Steve Cohen.
2: yeah, uh, I don't think it's too big.
1: no, it doesn't feel that much it does feel bigger if you think about it, mm-hmm. but mostly because they just expanded the screen to where all of the weird crypto ads and stuff, and like the hospital ads used to be all around the screen, so now yeah. it's just like it's the same size structure more or less. It's just all screen. And it's in the opposite I, I direction hand from the to field. Him.
2: Right. Yeah. I got to hand it to him. Getting, getting rid of the ads? Yeah. For more space for, uh, for baseball content? That's a man of the people right there.
1: Is Steve Cohen socialist? My column. <laughs> Maybe that should be your newsletter. You know, the newsletter that you didn't actually send out last <laughs> week, even though you bragged <laughs> about prepping for it a week in advance. I'm sorry. It's a lot of work, guys. <laughs> Uh, okay, no, the screen is not too big. Uh, next question.
0: Hi, Keeping Fitches, It's Maddie, fan from New Hampshire, in. Excuse the background noise. This is going to be one of your weirder fan calls because I'm calling from a horse barn where I'm currently mucking stalls. But I was listening to your latest episode about Grace Harper and the horny book, and I have some thoughts as a self-proclaimed expert on horny books because I listen to a lot of them or read a lot of them, um, he chose really bad ones, which kind of makes this whole thing terrible because you want people to, like, appreciate romance books as funny books for what they are and really get into them. And I'm all down for Bryce Harper book club, but he picks like, two of the worst books out there. Like, I read a lot of those genre of books and couldn't get through Al Kennedy. So good luck with the book club. And if you need other baseball themed horny books, so to speak, for this book club, let me know. I got plenty of Rex, and they're much better than The Deal. Thanks. Bye.
1: So, obviously, lastly, when we talked about Bryce Harper and his romance novels in Gentleman's Quarterly, neither of us had read either of these books or were familiar with them, and so we couldn't comment on the quality of them. But is it surprising at all, too, that
2: these books are not good? It's not surprising. I mean, the sense that I get is that these are. Very zeitgeisty books right now. I, the the Goodreads summary right for the deal by L Kennedy reads New York Times bestseller and TikTok sensation <laughs> L Kennedy brings you the first in the sexy off campus series that everyone's talking about. She's about to make a deal with the college bad boy. Hannah Wells has finally found someone who turns her on. <laughs> I still have not fully processed that he decided bit, to bit shout Bryce this out. Harper is <laughs> in a GQ with his interview. Chest. That's sick. So this begs the question, does Bryce Harper have a TikTok? Like, is this is he on Romance Talk? I mean, there's probably an easy answer to this question. He probably
1: does have a TikTok and it's probably like publicly available and <laughs> just neither of us like know about it. It's not it, a very but. fun answer though. So you think he has a burner TikTok account where he's just like inhaling romance novel content. Right. Well, so we got a question later in here asking us to make baseball book recommendations. So maybe Maddie should just write back in and share all of her thoughts on what would be a, a better replacement to the deal by Al Kennedy. Yeah. Should we read the deal so that we can qu- um confidently dump
2: on it a little bit? Like I feel bad. Like Al Kennedy's getting a getting short end of the stick here. Yeah. I he can't exactly. defend herself. <laughs> um once again, we we've reached the territory where I have to ponder the question, how far will I go for the bit? Right? Will I buy Bryce Harper's forty dollar <laughs> pomade oh i thought you were gonna say 40 dollar <laughs> book recommendation i was oh, like geez
1: no. she's pulling in 40 bucks for this it must be a real big tiktok sensation yeah. <laughs> i have 40 that's you like, get it for like five dollars on kindle <laughs> yeah i know <laughs> um the 40 dollar pomade you did buy right no 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 come on i thought you did. i thought you did i thought you said you tried some of the products i had the the shampoo but it was mm, a gift a gag right. gift so my mom was willing to go further for the bit than you. Wow. Once again, our mom's going further for the pod than we ever will. hmm And your mom doesn't even listen. Well, she listens occasionally. She'll be like, she'll be like, I listened to the last six episodes yesterday. It's like, <laughs> wow, that's too much me, even Just, for me. Yeah. yeah you yeah. know, like I have to be in this head 24 hours a day. Like
2: you don't right. have to. <laughs> I'm like, why do you choose to do that?
1: She's like, I you know, I, I was. I was doing some gardening and I just needed something to listen to, and it was just up there. And I was like, "I'm, I'm catching up." She's like, "Hearing about what happened in the World Series." Got <laughs> <I'm like>, mm-hmm. <laughs> bad news Scotts for you. That's feed. already decided. <laughs> um, Maddie, thank you for calling in and confirming that Bryce Harper doesn't doesn't have good taste in books. Um, although I'm I'm not totally surprised by that. Should we just do our the baseball books question now? Alex, Jake, in the Slack, asked um about you know we've discussed this before but not sure if it ever came up on an episode uh what are your favorite books that you'd recommend to people your favorite baseball books that you'd recommend to people i don't know ha- have we talked about this on the we've talked about this in so many different places that you joked that this I should be on our faqs page uh on our website i guess that nobody actually goes to frequently yeah. asked questions that no one will see <laughs> by alex and bobby uh baseball books i wrote down three only two of which I have read. One of which is like at the top of my want to read list, which I feel like people underrate in in recommendations. Like just because I haven't read it doesn't mean that it's not a better <laughs> book than the books that I am going to recommend. I want to read mm-hmm. it really badly, just haven't been able to get around to it. Uh, the first one is Lords of the Realm. I mean, like, would this even be the, the tipping pitches Banger. FAQ without or Lord of the Lords of the Realm recommendation, um, which is like the the pocket history the the whole story of the formation of the MLB Players Association and how the owners created the financial situation of the game it's like one of yeah, the it's like a people's history of baseball yeah it's like basically. one of the best sports books ever written not just specific to baseball um, my second recommendation is the only rule it has to work Ben Lindbergh and Sam Miller's book um, where they literally took over a an independent league baseball team, the Sonoma Stompers uh, for a year and ran it like a saber head dreams about running a baseball team and saw, and, and saw how it went. Yeah. Um, hence the title, the only rule it has to work. It doesn't matter if it looks good. It doesn't matter if it makes sense. It doesn't matter if it tracks with baseball history. It just has to work and they have to win. Um, and the writing style, you and I both read this in college, it was like a, I read it and then passed it to you, or you read it and then passed it to me, like across the common room of our apartment. Uh, and the writing style is similar, similarly tag teamed. It's, uh, Ben writing a chapter and Sam writing a chapter. And so you see from their different perspectives, how some of these strategies played out, what they were thinking during some of these strategies. And it's just a, it's kind of like an irreplaceable look into the, into front office philosophy, into sabermetric philosophy, and how it clashes with clubhouse culture. Uh and it was written it was written a, a while ago at this point, like I don't know, like eight or ten years ago at this point. And so obviously some things have progressed to be part of the mainstream, but at the time that they were doing them, it seemed ridiculous to ask, especially indie ball players who are like fighting and scrapping for their chance in affiliated ball to try something that seems reckless or weird um so that that would be my recommendation for people who haven't read it of course we've recommended that before and then my third recommendation is stealing home the book about the formation of doctor stadium and the displacement of the indigenous people of chavez ravine to make that happen uh which i have not read uh which is written by eric nussbaum which it's kind of like <laughs> Dereliction of Duty that neither of us have read this book at this point because it just it has so many crossover themes with what we talk about in the present. It's the historical telling of what actually happened and the ways that, you know, the big business of capitalism and baseball come in and steamroll everything in their path to create this this mythos, this baseball nirvana that is Dodger Stadium and Chavez Ravine. It's like, well, how did they actually get that done? And It's For a lot of the people that I've talked to who have read it, it's like a deeply upsetting story. And so it's maybe not like a a quick beach read or like a fun, propulsive read in the way that like Evan's book was when we did that in sort of like a de facto tipping pitches book club last month. But um, nonetheless, an an unbelievable story that I would really love to get
2: around to reading. Yeah, all great recommendations. The only rule is it has to work. was on my list as well. I, I think I read that in like a literal weekend. Like, it's so easy to devour. Um, And as you mentioned, just a really great sort of look at different strains of baseball philosophy and kind of how they clash with each other. Um, A couple other ones that uh, I'd recommend. Um, uh, The first is a fictional book, The Art of Fielding by Chad Harbach. Um, It follows a young man playing baseball in college and it's kind of a coming-of-age story um, about love and loss. And baseball is more the, the backdrop, you know, than it is kind of the, the focal point. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the book does a good job of of showing how baseball can be that sort of setting, right? How it is such a good—how the cadences of it lend itself well to— being a setting, right? Being a scene for a grander story. Um, I read it years ago, and I'd love to revisit it just because, I don't know, it's a really it's a really unique book and uh, and would wreck. Um, Do you
1: reread books a lot? No. Me either, because there's like so many books. There's unlimited amounts of books. And even though... I know that I would get a lot out of reading books. I can never just get over that hurdle in my brain that's like, you need to read the next thing. You need really? to learn You the could just be
2: reading a, something you haven't read before. Yeah,
1: exactly. But like, well, I guess because it's so much more of a time commitment, but I'll rewatch yeah. like, my favorite movies all the time. Yeah, yeah. Even when those movies are three plus hours. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, I'll also recommend The Arm by one uh, Jeffrey Passan. Wow of them. We're doing Jeff Passen Schilling on the we're pod. We're doing today. Jeff and Schilling on the pod right now. Um it's a it's a good book. I learned a lot. There's a there's a lot in there that I still think about today that goes into sort of the science of the pitcher's arm, right? And and there were some really interesting threads in there as well about sort of the different approaches that different baseball leagues take to taking care of their yeah. players' arms. Um seeing the sort of culture clashes, seeing the the different approaches that leagues and sort of cultures take to taking care of their players. This is really, it's a really fascinating look, especially as the sport continues to grow more and more international and there's more and more visibility there. Um, I think it provides some really interesting context. So those are the two that I'll throw on the pile. Um, I think the interesting thing about the arm is that like, in a
1: game that's so empirical, like baseball, how unscientific taking care of your body is and how important it is to actually being able to do the thing that you've trained for for your whole life. So the delicate balance between like, how much stress do I put on the tendons in my elbow to make my pitches better if it also might end my career? And how much can we even learn about that? I feel like that has become, you know, as like Tommy John has gone through the roof partially because the surgery is better and we're better at diagnosing it and because everybody knows that it's not like a career ending thing so they don't put it off as long as as people used to in past years but like in large part because of the increased velocities and the increased velocity on breaking pitches which which add more stress to your elbow um but like is that even true do we even know that that's true like a lot of this stuff is sort of pseudoscience like it's passed down wisdom about you should never throw a curveball when you're in little league because that will mean that you'll tear your elbow by the time you're 18. It's like, yeah, I don't know if any of that is true. Like the little league coach who told me that, I wouldn't trust him to tell me anything else <laughs> right. at this point. <laughs> but I just believed it, you know. And like these, these different like baseball pieces of baseball received knowledge that we just accept as true versus like, is there a, is there a better way to learn
2: more about this? And like his book is kind of the seminal text on. This specific thing. Yeah. Hates me to have to hand it to him. (laughs) You know. Uh, Okay. Next question. Our good friend Tom in the Slack.
1: Is grumpy old man Mike Schmidt correct? Were the Phillies NL Championship rings far too ostentatious for something that isn't the World Series? So uh, Tom is alluding to the fact that yesterday during the Phillies uh, yesterday before the Phillies Reds game two days ago i don't really remember which day they actually gave them the rings but they had an on-field ceremony for the phillies winning the national league pennant and they passed out rings pennant pennant winning rings right you know what they look a lot like world series rings (laughs) yeah they do (laughs) like if you were gonna make a world series ring i'm not sure what you would change about this ring to make it other than the fact that it would say world series champions instead of national league champions yeah so tom wants to know well Mike Schmidt had a whole thing about how this is like loser behavior more or less like right millennials these they just all get trophies right. and
2: participation participation trophy culture yeah exactly culture. and yeah.
1: that's that's Tom's question is is that line of thinking correct do we agree with Mike Schmidt about this I'd love to hear what you have to say because I feel very strongly one way <laughs> and I don't want to poison I don't want to muddy the waters
2: with my strong right, opinion of course of course and make you feel pressure to agree with me It pains me to be a hater. It really does. I just want that to be known. But why are we doing this? (laughs)
1: Yes.
2: (laughs) Why are we doing NL championship rings? I agree. (laughs) I (laughs) just, does anyone else ever do this? I know. Like, was there just a designer who was working on this in October? Who then, when the Phillies lost, was like, well, these can't go to waste. I worked, I even put dancing on my own on the inside of it like how are we not gonna have the players wear these (laughs) if they had won the world series do you think that they would have given them two rings because
1: the fact that the nl championship ring exists makes it seem like it was gonna exist no matter like it has to exist right like so is there an al championship ring i don't know Do, do the astros have one i don't know honestly this is probably one of those things where like there is and like, no, but they just don't make a ceremony out of it. But like yeah, all the previous World Series winners, like they have two separate rings and the one ring like goes in a drawer somewhere and the World Series ring goes in like a case and it's the only one that gets attention because right. it's just not, it's not necessary. Be like Michael Phelps sharing that he won a silver medal silver medal one day. It's like, all right, right, you got like 28 golds too. You don't need to talk about the silver and the bronze <laughs> medals. <laughs> but I, I, I think I agree with Mike Schmidt. Wow, mm-hmm. that really, I almost threw up a little No, there you go. Are you, that, go, that are you okay? We only have so many fingers, you know, like these rings, they're. <laughs> if you win the World Series, you won like three rounds. Yeah, I know. Because they're an NLDS ring too? How far Wait, back is there do a we wild card
2: go? ring, a wild card spot number two ring? This, once again, they expand the playoffs and, they, and then they expand the ring recipients. What's next? Do the A's get to hang a
1: 2015 AL West division winner banner and say flags fly forever? Like, come on. Right. Let's be serious. Can we be fucking for real? <laughs> Rings are for the winners. I don't know what to tell you. They lost. <laughs> yeah, they get the hats. You get a hat that says... Yeah, like a t-shirt. You know? National
2: League champion. Like, you're fine.
1: You probably also get a trophy, if we're being honest. Like, the Phillies probably yeah. have like a smaller... Mm-hmm. NL trophy. It's not the commissioner's trophy. It's not that hunk of, ro- hunk of metal that Rob loves so much, but it is right. a trophy somewhere. So, the ring ceremony was just a lot. A lot for me, personally. And it's also, for what it's worth, it's the type of thing that if the Phillies had won and the Astros were giving out AL championship rings, Phillies fans would be going ballistic. Mm-hmm. So, alright. That's enough on that. Next question.
0: <laughs> hey, guys. Who are some players that you think pour the milk before the cereal?
1: This is recent tipping pitches guest, longtime tipping pitches caller Becca Ansbro on the mic. Thank you, Becca. Yeah, Uh,
2: I I love that she no need to introduce herself anymore. She's like you know the number. You got caller ID. It's like it's as recognizable as like a Picasso. You know, like you just you know
1: you know it when you hear it. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Who are some players who pour the milk before the cereal? Honestly, we've already been talking about one of them this episode, and I, I think that's Bryce Harper. I don't know mm. why, but there is something that feels a little bit like, which dimension did you grow up in to that guy? Like, he grew up in Vegas, which is not like a real place. <laughs> you know, he's like a huge Las Vegas Knights fan. He's like their, are like number one supporter. But also, he exists in this like weird superstardom mm. Dimension that I, I don't really know what exists. I think that you know what I'm saying. Uh, and his his good friend J T Realmuto are definitely they're pouring the milk in before the cereal.
2: Uh, I love that thought. It's a really good point. Um, there were a couple players who popped into my head when I heard this question, and and I want to note. Don't tell me that you're going to come out as pro milk before cereal, I, right here. Look, I I've I've never done it myself, <laughs> but I don't judge the. So lifestyle. I can't speak to the I, I can't speak to the merits of it. <laughs> However, there might be something to be said for instead of just pouring the cereal and then dousing it with milk and letting the bottom get all soggy, right? Doing a little bit of like a as you go, you know, a little like little oh, right. like a little, little milk in the milk in the bottom and then like a little splash kind of, you know, every few bites.
1: More like chips and salsa, you know, you have the liquid right, there. Right. And you exactly. Put the solid in. <laughs> as needed, you know, as you would like to consume and desire. Look, I'm d- I'm just trying to get into the headspace right now. Okay, you know. Can I ask you a question um, before you say the, the names? Because sure. I feel like I said Bryce and I said JT and I feel like people will understand what I meant by that. But w- right. when Becca asks this question, like, how are you flipping through the files in your brain to determine what baseball players? Like, is it like himbos? Like, is it is it guys who are like off a little bit? You know who's another guy? Just name in Phillies. Nick Castellanos might be the like milk before <laughs> okay. the cereal guy. Because he's just like, why do you do it this way? That is right. his whole energy. That's a good point, Remember actually, with his yeah. whole, like, why isn't today opening day? Yeah, and, yeah every day is an opening day. He's like, I, who, I who really taught you l- to
2: put the cereal in before the milk. And why do you need to listen to that person? I really like that take. I mean, the, the way I was thinking about it is, like, who are the guys who are going to take more than two seconds to think about this? You know who are going to pu- be pouring themselves a bowl of cereal? And say, is there a better way? Right. And so Castellanos, for example, I think is a great example of like, why did the man tell us we had to pour the cereal first, you know, or also like, even if he didn't intend to pour the milk before the cereal, he just forgot to put the cereal in first and then started right. pouring the milk. It's like, oh, there's no cereal. I just put it the c- like, cereal in now. It's like, this is serendipitous. This is what the Lord asked me to do. <laughs> the <board. laughs> Is he religious? I feel like no. <laughs> he doesn't strike me as religious. <laughs> Uh, I immediately thought of Zach Grenke mm. uh, because he seems like the kind of guy who would say to himself, "Like, how do I optimize this process?" You know, like again, though, like the milk first is not optimal.
1: You're just saying because like the cereal gets soggy.
2: Yeah, you just I gotta th- I, you I,
1: pick I, pick a better cereal. Like, you like raisin I, brand's <laughs> not gonna get soggy unless you're
2: eating it over the course of like two hours. Oh, yeah. It does. I mean, I, I love Raisin Bran, but I, that gets soggy so fast. Honey Bunches of Oats? Come on. Those are crisp. Oh, yeah. Hey, man, I, I'm, I'm not going to defend them, you know? I just, for the sake of a robust debate here, I wanted mm. to kind of, you know, get inside the head a little bit. See how the other side lives. You know what I mean? Yeah. I See, to me, I feel like Granky would just eat the cereal with no milk.
0: Mm, he'd be like,
2: why I'm do I need the
1: milk? I'll yeah. drink a glass of milk separately while eating the cereal. <laughs> You're right. Grinky would probably think far too hard. Yeah, about exactly. It. He's like inventing a new thing. It's like cereal with milk inside, like a gusher. You know,
2: like right, like individual packets of cereal <laughs> with the milk. Yeah.
1: There's like milk, uh, dehydrated milk at the bottom of the packet, and you pour in water, and then it's all just made at the same time. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> That probably exists. It probably right? like, does. That's real. probably what the fucking owners are feeding minor leaguers now with their updated CBA. <laughs> it's like here, this is a part of a healthy breakfast. You can have a banana also.
2: Right. Let it sit in the sun for an hour, and it'll <laughs> uh, <laughs> it'll decompress. <laughs> the way that you, yeah, the way that you cook this meal is you
1: take a magnifying glass to the window of the bus that you're on. Right. And you let huh? the sun pass through it and heat it up. <laughs> No hot plates on the bus. Uh, it's a safety hazard. Chris Sale was the other guy I thought about. Is it weird that I've just never pictured Chris Sale? I can never picture Chris Sale like eating anything. Like eating.
2: Yeah. He just seems too No, mad. it's not.
1: <laughs> like cereal. The whole like getting it in and out right, of the like, box. Eating's a bit of a waste of time. Yeah, exactly. For him. He's throwing he just, the box like... against the wall. Um, You know, I feel like I was really dishing it out to the Phillies players. And so I, I want to prove that yeah. I can take it as well. Pete Alonzo. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. And he would like go down fighting, being like, this is better. Yeah. What are you talking about? He would have probably have a whole thing about how he wants the milk to come down to room temperature first. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. This is, that's the way he remembers it in Florida. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's a sufficient answer. I think so, too. Okay, Alex. Next question comes from Dante in the Slack. Dante wants to know, with regards to the podcast, when did we decide that we were good at it? Dante himself has made some appearances on podcasts and can never really tell how he feels it went afterwards, which is a feeling that I can relate to. Uh, so, the short answer to this question is we're still deciding. <laughs> <laughs> Jury's still out. <laughs> Something that always happens, let me just tell, let me just pull the listeners behind the curtain a little bit. Something mm-hmm. that happens for every single episode of this podcast is heading in, we're like, not sure about this one. I don't know. This one might be tough. And then during the recording, we feel that same way. And then at the end of it, one of the two of us will look at each other and go, I think that one was pretty
2: good. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And the other usually shrugs their shoulders and says, we'll see. (laughs) In the business, we say, we'll see in the
1: edit, you know, Mm -hmm. we'll see in the edit. It'll come together in the edit. Yeah. Uh, Do you want to answer this question in earnest for Dante?
2: Yeah. I mean, I don't have to necessarily go into the crippling self-doubt or anything like that um i don't know man that's always that's always there Ma- but making this podcast is way cheaper than therapy so <laughs> i didn't know that I should, I should cancel my session this week <laughs> I, just, uh, I just
1: got <laughs> pen all over my hand while i was trying to answer this I was trying to write are, down, down my are notes going this question, so well so. <laughs> everything's going good my pen just like exploded i don't really know what happened
2: <laughs> doing our best to prove to dante that he asked the wrong people Right. Bobby's got ink like around his mouth right now. I don't really know how. Yeah, man, it really was just getting on here every week. Yeah. Until it kind of felt like a habit, honestly. And I think it really helped bringing on people who I saw and see as being smarter than us and using that as an opportunity to learn from them because I think that's how I tr- try to approach the podcast is Trying to soak up everything from the people around me, right? Um, That's why you become such a great Mets fan. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. some say. It's also you might have to do a little work to get me on your on your jazz take, though. I gotta say, people <laughs> when, when I can't soak
1: up. We keep alluding to this, and the jazz take has never been shared on the pod, <laughs> right? I know. <enough. laughs> Just gonna keep trickling that out. Um, I think that my earnest answer is, ironically enough, when. I left New York and moved to California, and we started doing it remotely, full-time. And at that point, it's kind of what you're talking about. It became more of a routine. We would do it every weekend. It's how it got to be the way that it is now, where we would record on Sundays and release the podcast every Monday. Before that, it was a little bit more sporadic. We were still doing it more or less every week, but we got into the routine of, okay, here's everything that happened in the last six days here's what we know we are going to be interested in talking about. And that is going to translate itself to the best podcast episode. Because if we don't sound excited, if we sound like we're forcing ourselves to talk about something because we think that this is what a baseball podcast should be talking about, then what's the point of even doing all of this? We could just be listening to another baseball podcast, talk about this thing. And, you know, those are hard earned lessons. Like in the first year of doing the show and the first 18 months of doing the show, I don't think we really knew that we were, we could just, Opt out of talking about a thing. (laughs) If it seemed like it was big, we would just talk about it and maybe not even really have anything to say. And I do think that that is the kind of lesson that you have to just like learn via doing it. Yeah. Because you don't really know what you're going to respond to and what you're going to enjoy talking about. Like there are some things that are regular mainstays of the show that five years ago I would have never thought that I would want to talk to you about week in and week out. But it, and I would have never thought that anybody would want to listen to that, frankly. Um, but we've trained ourselves to be more interested and invested in talking about those things and listeners have given us a lot of po- a lot of positive feedback on that sort of thing. So honestly, like 2019 is when I started feeling like we were making the show that we wanted to make and it, it was yeah. basically like almost two full years of doing the show before that and now that's not to say like if you're thinking of starting a podcast that it's going to take two years before you know what that podcast is about but we started this podcast and we were like, 21 and 22 and we didn't have a defined idea we basically were just like we want to learn how to talk to each other in recorded format you know it wasn't like we have this specific idea for a podcast we were like we want to talk about baseball and we want to let it take shape and so if you were listening to this podcast in 2017 and 2018 you know that it's just it was very different than it is now um and that's you know, the beauty of doing it with someone that you know so personally and also the beauty of doing it over an extended period of time and allowing your your views on the game to change, but also your views on what you find interesting about talking about to change. So my, my number one advice would be don't be discouraged by how not confident you feel at the beginning of doing it because that is like, unless you're just like, you know, a one in a million type of person who has no self-doubt about, like the content that they, they create, then like
2: it, you're going to experience that for what feels like a really long time. Yeah. I mean, you know how they say the best way to get better at writing is to write, right? And the same goes here. I mean, this is why I have in my voice memos actually hour-long recordings <laughs> that I do throughout the week, um, just kind of practicing, going over what I'm going to say. Literally, it's hundreds and hundreds of gigabytes. Um, well, that's why they call you the Rivers Cuomo of podcasting. That's, they do call me that, yeah.
1: <laughs> On Alex's personal Patreon, you can get access to the Google drives of his voice memos where he practices the pod, yeah. and um, that that and taking back Sunday covers. Well, whoa, 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 whoa! <laughs> you don't have the authority to give that away for free, bro. <laughs> that's, that's you true. don't. You don't. <laughs> I've, I've already entered into a contract with you, <laughs> and that's binding. That was recorded <laughs> and published to the internet. Um, that's not looking so good, by the way. Mets are not off to a bad start, but they're not off to like a "we're going to win 110 game start. No, so I think mm-hmm. you're pretty you're pretty in the clear on that front. I'm gonna have to find another way to bet to bet that out into the world. Yeah, I I don't I,
2: give me four beers and put me on the City Field Jumbotron. <laughs> Apparently, that's all it takes. Um, a, another thing that you also do is that you listen to the podcast and you
1: retake everything that you said. Right. Uh huh. That's like your yeah. Wednesday activity. You listen, you recreate it, and you try to say, How could I have gotten better here? Like mm-hmm. you watch tape, basically,
2: <laughs> of all of your at bats. <laughs> right. <laughs> okay. Next this is buddy. very hel- helpful advice, I'm, I'm, I'm sure.
0: <laughs> um, hi, Alex. Hi, Bobby. It's Jesse. Um, I'm wanting to ask uh, about dynamic duos of baseball past and present. And dynamic duos, which fit into the she's everything, he's just Ken, Barbie movie marketing. So, like, I'm thinking Vladdy, she's everything. So, Bichette, he's just Ken. Do you see the vision? Okay. Thanks.
2: This is such a good question. So,
1: Such a funny question. And also... I'm glad that Jesse gave an example because it's not just that like, like Bo Bichette is not bad. He's just plain, right. you know? Yeah. He's not the it attraction of the Toronto Blue Jays. And so exactly. I don't, I'm not going to choose someone who sucks as the Ken. So right. that, that narrows down my window. Like when I first heard this question, I was like, she's everything. Joe Davis. He's just Ken. John Smoltz. John <laughs> Smoltz. That's pretty good. Yeah. She's everything. Alex Rodriguez. He's just Ken. Mm-hmm. Michael K. I feel like they're both just Ken. <laughs> okay, okay. She's everything. One. Derek Jeter. He's just Ken.
2: Alex okay. Rodriguez. Hey, okay. get his ass. See, now yeah. we're getting
1: now we're getting somewhere.
2: Do what what do you got? What do you got? Um, it pains me to say that I uh initially thought of Shohei Otani because she is everything. Yeah. And Michael Trout. Michael, Michael Trout. He's just Ken. I love him. Yeah. She's everything. Bryce Harper. He's just Ken. JT Romito. Yep. Uh, she's everything. Dansby Swanson. He's just Ken. Austin Riley. <laughs> He's not even on the Braves anymore, but I like it. Dansby Swanson. Not on the Braves. Oh, 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 oh Dansby Swanson. She's everything. Mal Pugh. He's just Ken. Dansby Swanson. She's everything. Raphael Devers. He's just Ken. Trevor's story. <laughs> yeah, he's had, he had to get the arm detached and replaced this year, too. He's just <laughs> Ken, Ken. It's
1: tough. Um, she's everything. Francisco Lindor. He's just Ken. Pete Alonso. <laughs> that was the second name of the He's just Ken. Down. Jeff McNeil. He's just Ken. Brandon Nimmo. Brandon Nimmo. <laughs> 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 he's just Ken, Luis Guillorme, he's just Ken. <laughs> no, Mark is not just Ken. Mark Hanna could be she's everything. Yeah. She's everything, Starling that, Marte. That really is a team of mostly Kens, though. It's all quite Kens. <laughs> it's all Kens with a couple, with a couple Barbies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is a
2: great question. <laughs> yeah. I We could keep going. She's everything. Theo Epstein, he, he's just oh. Ken. Rob
1: Manfred. <laughs> Yeah, is Theo your everything? I mean, with the whole the whole rule changes, they're sending him out. He's like the face of the rule changes, you know? So he's yeah, on the marketing. True. He's he on is the doing, He's carrying that emotional labor. Dude, he is... I think that they've cloned him. He's been on every podcast. I'm insulted that they haven't offered him to us at this point. Yeah, mm-hmm. They've offered him to every other podcast around us. Like, I'm waiting for the Theo Epstein effectively wild hit at this point. Yeah. You're actually right about that. I know. <laughs> like...
2: Just fucking talk to someone who's actually going to ask you questions that I want to know the answer to, for once. I know, but you don't think our our demographic is is not your market, Rob? I we got some we got some minds you you might be interested in changing here. I would argue that
1: our demographic is sort of like the, would be the coup de gras. It'd be like the right. cherry on top. Like if he can send Theo to us and win over hearts and minds, he's won. You know? Yeah. It's like sending Darth Vader to the Rebellion headquarters and he's like, actually, the Empire is good.
2: (laughs) That is what it's like. Thank you. I'm here all week. She's everything, Giancarlo Stanton. Do it to him. He's just Ken. Aaron Judge. (laughs) Sorry, what have you done for me lately, Aaron?
1: Has Has he hit another home run since opening day? Aaron Judge washed alert? Um, he has hit four home runs and he's hitting 364 no, this year. So all right. Not watched alert. Aaron Judge, not washed alert. <laughs> We're definitely gonna hear from Mike Schubert about that one, about that little yep. slip mm-hmm, up right there. Mm-hmm. You know who has more home runs than that? Pete Alonso. Jazz Chisholm? No, no, no. No, no, no no no. Although I'll give you this one. She's everything Jazz Chisholm. He is just Ken all of the Miami Marlins. <laughs> That's actually true. every single Especially play. with Pablo not there anymore. Uh yeah. Well, Sandy's everything. Yeah. He is everything. That's true. Uh, Jesse, thank you so much. What a great question. Probably could have got a whole pod. i would be out of thinking about question. this all
2: day. Yeah.
1: This was the two
2: hour pod right there. <laughs> well, we had to cut about an hour and a half of content. Yeah.
1: And Alex, you can go to Alex's Patreon and sign up for his voice memos. The Alex, the extended cut, if you want to hear the whole right. thing. Uh, next question. This comes from Alex in the Slack, which is not you. That's not you. You are Alex in the Slack, but you are not this Alex in the Slack. Right. Uh, this is another one of our FAQs. Best teams to watch for newly converted baseball fans. I feel like we get asked this around the beginning of every baseball season and it changes but for the most part there is a handful of teams that are largely very fun to watch. Does, has, has that list materialized for you yet this season?
2: Heard of the, uh, the Oakland Athletics? Yeah. Chance to get in on the ground floor? Yeah. Dude. Hey man. No, no emotional baggage. You get to start clean. I have a question for you. Yep, is this the worst
1: baseball team you've ever seen in your life? It's actually really possible. It's they're really, really, really bad. They're going to lose like one hundred and fifteen games. Yep, I know that the Rays haven't haven't lost yet, but that didn't look like they were in the same league. Like that, that looked like the 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 gap in quality between some of the World Baseball Classic teams. Yes, it did. It was not pretty. I. I have watched more is baseball than I really thought I would have at this point because I am I'm, I'm fascinated
2: at <laughs> morbidly the, curious at the car crash that is the Oakland A's in 2023. It's not, it's not a fun car crash. I'll tell you that much. It's not one you can watch with awe. It's just happening, and there's nothing you can do. All right, what's your real answer? Uh, twins. Twins are fun this year. Yeah, I I feel like in past years we've said. The Orioles, because they are sort of on the come up. They've got the young, you know, if you want to get in actually on the ground floor with a team, here's a team who in theory is building for the future, right? And I just, as every day goes by, I just feel less and less good about ever encouraging someone to, to root for John Angelos.
1: Yeah. I, it must have been you that said that in years past, because I have never really enjoyed I don't enjoy watching teams who are at like the turnaround stage of their rebuild because there's usually such obvious glaring holes. And it makes me furious that they weren't filled with better players that could have made this team actually fun to watch instead of just like a fun thing for like baseball content creators to tweet on like April 1st be like, eyes emoji, Baltimore's coming this year. And it's like, no, they're not. They're not coming. (laughs) And they're not going to make the playoffs. And like, you know why they're not coming? Because they have no pitchers. (laughs) Yep. Like they called up Grayson Rodriguez. Because it became unable, it became impossible for them to manipulate his service time anymore, because they actually needed somebody to fill the fifth rotation spot. <laughs> it's not like they were like slamming the door shut on him, particularly. So uh, I don't know. I mean, Adley is, is great to watch, of course. Uh, if you could put a cam on him the whole time, then great. yeah. And I, I, did I tune into Grayson Rodriguez's first start? Yes. Yes, I did. Uh, But would I rather watch the Blue Jays versus anyone? Yes. Yes, I would. So is that your team? Is that your pick? Blue Jays. um, The obvious ones I feel like are Blue Jays and Padres. Right. Um, The Angels because of Otani and Trout. Um, I'll take this moment to plug really quickly. The Effectively Wild. This is great podcasting is when you tell someone who's listening to your podcast to go listen to another podcast halfway through your podcast. Mm -hmm. They say that that's how you become the biggest podcast in the world is you do that a lot. Uh, Effectively Wild did a team fun draft they've done in the the last few years where they draft the teams that are the most fun all the way down to the very least fun which was arguably more fun to listen to them talk about which teams they don't want to watch than the ones that they do Um, but that is a really great episode if you're looking for like a more fleshed out robust version of this conversation but yeah Padres, Blue Jays Angels I think the Phillies are really fun to watch I said this last Mm -hmm. year too because like a great lineup, terrible defense, shaky bullpen pitching makes for entertaining back and forth in baseball games. And if you're not invested in whether or not the Phillies win, although you could argue that I'm too invested in whether or not the Phillies win, I'm just invested in the fact that they lose. But um, it makes for a fun back and forth. And then you know what? I think the Rays are kind of fun to watch this year. What? Because, okay, Wander, is is he's the one. He's... He might be the prince who was promised and he was right. hurt for a lot of last year, uh, which sort of cut short his arrival party that should have been happening with his. He came up and he was great two years ago and he signed the extension and then last year was supposed to be kind of his coming out party and it just didn't happen. Um, but in terms of like technical execution of the game of baseball, if you're nerdy in that way and you can. Put aside all the other stuff that we've banned from talking about the Tampa Bay Rays, like that is a fun exhibition of the sport of baseball, though maybe not exactly for a new fan. um
2: I think the Padres are still far and away for a new fan of baseball, yeah, who wants to have fun this year? like the Padres are the one
1: okay, next question
2: uh this is this is a two part question comes
1: from Kate in the slack. who will play? The All Star Game weekend concert in Seattle, and who would be the funniest choice to play that concert? So presumably, this is like a thing that they do every year, where they like put on a concert for All Star Weekend. I guess sure, I'll take your word for it. It tracks. I trust. I trust Kate with this question. And if not, it doesn't doesn't really matter. Like <laughs> the question is, who do you want to see play a concert in Seattle to celebrate Major League Baseball's All Star Weekend?
2: I mean, I feel like they're gonna pick an artist with ties to Seattle. I would assume, mm-hmm. right? A guy like Macklemore feels <laughs> like like exactly what Major League Baseball would be looking for in terms of like all-star game entertainment, you know, like palatable to the middle of the country, but also like young and hip. you little meaning that Macklemore is young and hip? I, I, not in my eyes, but to <laughs> someone
1: like Rob Manfred, absolutely. I feel like their platonic ideal is the Foo Fighters. Okay, they're formed in Seattle. mm-hmm Ties to Seattle grunge scene with Dave Grohl, obviously. Stadium rock, that kind of unoffensive style of music that can be marketed very easily. Right, it hypes you up. You know, and also like it's very. I, I, I'm not going to yuck anyone's yum. I don't mind Foo Fighters. They're they're cool. No, oh no no no. They're doing good stuff. I'm not firing. I'm not streaming. But it's okay. I didn't know MacLemore was. Um, I didn't know he was from Seattle.
2: Yeah, he's like a big Mariners fan. He did like a whole like Mariners song and music video. Like that's part of the reason why I think my mind went to him is because like uh, Macklemore is a wild public figure. uh, (laughs) You look like you want to say so much Like, like, I don't even know, man.
1: (laughs) Oh, wow. A lot of stolen LGBTQ plus valor from that guy
2: (laughs) over the years. Um, a lot of stolen, a
1: lot of things <laughs> over the years. Uh, did you know the Postal Service are from uh, from Seattle, <laughs> Washington?
2: I, I probably could have guessed that.
1: We will be firing up such great heights at All-Star Weekend this year. Uh-huh. Uh, ben Gibbard, who is the singer for the Postal Service, and a few other bands as well, is a huge baseball fan. So that that feels like a good option. Although... I don't know. Is the postal service still polling well enough to be able to play MLB All Star Weekend?
2: Right. I mean, do you need like more than like you three need songs? A bit, a bit. Right. Exactly. That's not just a one hit wonder. Right. Like, kind of the funniest option is Pearl Jam
1: to me personally. Uh huh. Because that would be so many dudes
2: would just be like Pearl Jam. Yeah. You know. I know. I was like, I was like, oh wow, Chris Cornell's from <laughs> Seattle, <laughs> a little Soundgarden. <laughs> Let's get a little Fleet Foxes in there, dog. Okay, are we both just on the Wikipedia for a list of musicians from Seattle? Yeah,
1: yeah. Oh, I just got to Macklemore. How about that? Nice. Band of Horses? Let's get a little, let's get Emo. Emo at T-Mobile Park. Yes. I think that like the most likely option, like regardless of what city it is. So I, I'm like not picking the pandering Seattle option, but the, the most likely option platonic ideal for Major League Baseball every single year is Bad Bunny. Like if Bad Bunny will do it, he's got it. He's got it. Yeah. Both because I he's mean, like the most popular artist in the world and he he's like very popular among young people but also because he's like just unbelievably dominant in Spanish speaking countries and many of those countries baseball is their number one sport. So
2: yeah I mean that would be the m- obvious right choice which is why it probably won't be him. Um, he's probably busy that time <laughs> playing like a stadium tour
1: in front of three million people and or like a an impromptu street Show (laughs) like (laughs) everything he does is cool. I just, he's, he's uh,
2: Kenny G is from Seattle. Wow, bust out the sacks, dude. I don't, I mean, he's got baseball ties. That would be such a vibe. That would be a vibe. He
1: should score the game like no Oregon, just Kenny G with the sacks during the (laughs) game.
2: That's a really good idea. Thank you. Thank you. I'm here all week. (laughs) We know that Rob listens. So, Rob, here you go. This one's I'm a producer,
1: I'm an ideas guy. You know, are. I can't play the saxophone, but I know when I should hear it. <laughs> <laughs> um, Kate also asked another asked another question, unrelated to music or the MLB All Star Weekend. Kate said, "Could Stevie hack it as a bat dog?" No. What do you think? <laughs> no. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I love her. I love her.
1: It's really important to know our own strengths and weaknesses. Uh-huh. It's really important to be able to clearly communicate the strengths and weaknesses of our loved ones. Um, Stevie doesn't listen well enough to be a bad dog, doesn't do well in crowds, doesn't like loud noises, gets stressed in situations that she's not familiar with. She is arguably the worst option on planet Earth to be a bad dog. <laughs> she would hear the sound of the, the ball off the bat and she would be in the clubhouse cowering yeah. in fear. Mm-hmm. She's a little anxiety girly. Yeah, she is. And look, we love her for it. But no, she could not hack it as a bad dog. She's more of a small settings kind of gal.
2: Yeah, she is. She's the emotional support dog in the clubhouse. She's just like me for real.
1: That's, yeah. Actually, in the clubhouse, she wouldn't even be good either. That's still too many people for her. That's a lot. The clubhouse being. (laughs) It can't be like more than five. You and I recording. That's the clubhouse that she thrives (laughs) in. Right. Okay, Alex. Our final two questions come from Twitter. They are both Muppets related. So strap in. First question comes from Philly Pitchers Union, local number 27. This is our good friend Joe from Twitter. Joe says, my pet fantasy is to win the lottery and buy the rights to the Muppets. It's great to have goals. I'd make more Muppets movies based on classic literature like they did with The Christmas Carol and Treasure Island. If you were in this situation, what is the first book you're adapting into a feature film? This is an inspired
2: question. Mm Mm-hmm. I'd like to... Lord of the Flies. Lord of the Flies.
1: No hesitation. I just want to know... That there Put wasn't them out there. An, I
2: don't want to see who gets to the
1: top of the rock. There wasn't an edit in there. Sometimes we we gather our... Sometimes. Most of the time we gather our thoughts and there's some silence that I cut out, but Alex just cut straight to the chase right there. No yep. cut. No cut. Yeah. Um, I was going to... I want to know who Piggy's going to be. You know? Yeah, I was going to say... Who's going to get the conch? I was going to say King Lear. Ooh. <laughs> Which is basically like Succession. Right. Um the original succession Shakespeare did it first <laughs> <laughs> although I will say and this takes us to our next question which comes from Abigail at bring the noise on Twitter which Muppet has the biggest Mets fan energy and I'll say I, I'm not super familiar with the Muppets like I know I know I know who they all are but mm-hmm. I don't know them all well enough to like their personalities to speak Confidently about that, I wasn't a huge Muppets person growing up, um, which is not an indictment of the Muppets by any means. I know that they're like, that's an
2: indictment of you,
1: yes, exactly. I know that this is just like a total gap in my cultural consumption,
2: right? Um, my mind went to Oscar the Grouch.
1: Okay, why is that? If it's not obvious,
2: he complains all the time (laughs) because he's just always mad. Uh, no, um. Again, where's his heart, his emotions on his sleeve, you know, um, mm-hmm. I think tends to wallow in self-pity uh, a lot. Um, and I will even say, after doing a bit of research for this question, according to Muppet Wiki in episode 0020, Oscar does clean his trash can and dumps things out, including a Mets banner. Which he tells his friend Gordon that he doesn't want to lose, so there's actually a little bit of textual evidence canon behind this
1: one that's a great answer. I don't think I can beat that. I think um aesthetically speaking, animal kind of fits the fits the bill uh-huh. but also animal kind of looks like gritty, so if maybe we can we can say animal's a Phillies fan right, yeah, uh, but I like your answer Oscar the grouch is that is that
2: the energy that I put out into the world <laughs> You can be honest. with me. I no, it's it's. I think it's a little more uh, Mr. Snuffleupagus <laughs> <laughs> because, like, just sad, <laughs> right?
1: <laughs> I'm not trying to. I, I'm riding hard for the um, the Eeyore contingent of Mets fans. Mm, that's. I mean, that's it. Yeah. Like just moping around and being like, "It's never going to be our time. What's mm-hmm. the point of even playing today?" Yeah. I can be moved, oh brother. Yeah, I can I can be moved to be interested from time to time, but I default to sad. That way I protect right. myself. Generally speaking, what's the Yeah, point, exactly. Right? Okay, Alex, that does it this week. Thank you to everybody for listening. Thank you to everybody for calling in. As a reminder, if you want to call in for future uh mailbag episodes or even if it's not a full episode just to get your question in at the end of very at the end of occasional episodes, which we do sometimes, the voicemail number is 785-422. 5881. Uh, you can sign up for the Tipping Pitches Slack, where many of these questions came from. Uh, Patreon.com slash Tipping Pitches. Any of those tiers will get you access to the Slack, and the higher two tiers will get you access to more things, including a newsletter, which Alex is definitely going to get done at some point. I, I just know it. I know. I see the look in his eyes. He's a gamer. He's been reviewing his tape recently, and he's just trying to identify his weaknesses. He's He's trying to He's made some mechanical changes, and so he's going to iron out these kinks. Um, Other than that, is there anything else that you would like people to know this week? Maybe the secret sauce to getting on the giant Jumbotron at at Mets games?
2: (laughs) I don't know. Apparently, it's to dislike Billy Joel because they'll find you if that's the case. Um,
1: I think that you secretly like Piano Man. Yeah. Yeah. Why else would you try so hard? to have your face associated that, with it in front of 40,000 people.
2: Right. Something I mean I think it's
1: dark down. You're just putting up a facade. Like you don't you just don't
2: think it's cool to like Billy Joel. I think it's my my fealty to the Mets, you know, and 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 the Mets fealty. fandom and and wanting to, you That's know, powerful.
1: I it's Yeah. Like
2: feudal lords. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> you know, I I submit myself uh for the New York Mets. What what
1: our relationship to New York Mets and Major League Baseball is the exact opposite of feudalism. Like, we don't get anything in exchange. We just give nope. them money.
2: <laughs> mm-hmm.
1: That's not how feudalism <laughs> worked. Like, the feudal lord was supposed to be there to protect us. We're like venture capital to the Mets. We're just providing them seed funding with, with no need. Single-handedly funding them. <laughs> for any real business plan.
2: Yeah, if the cost of my beers was any indication this weekend, that's... I'm about right yeah that's why steve didn't need their advertising on the jumbotron because he's got you and me yeah i might
1: be done i might be done with city field
2: (laughs) oh yeah yeah. 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 here he is he's back baby oscar has checked in speaking as an accountant i might be
1: done with city field (laughs) everybody please go listen to piano man in honor of alex thank you for listening we'll be back next week
0: when I wore
1: a the man's clothes Hello everybody, uh, I'm Alex Rodriguez Tipping Pitches Tipping Pitches This is the one that I love the most Tipping Pitches So we'll see you next week See ya